Jeff, it is Wednesday. You are at Deer Camp, which could appropriately just be shortened to camp. You're you're on you're on a you're, you're on a weekend with the boys. A it's week kind with the of boys. like kind of like I'm at the Deer Lodge. Yes. Like I'm just I'm just on a glamping trip. Um, I don't know if we've talked about my uh, deer camping escapades. We we, we talked about to... it last year. We you oh we did like, okay. Yeah, you were like, yeah, we're just going camping because we didn't. You know, who likes getting up early in the morning? We decided Nobody. the best part of the hunt, like the best part of hunting, is just the the camaraderie. Yeah, at, during the day, but you hate getting up at four o'clock to go out when the sun comes up. So last year you had a camper and this year you're in a rather nice cabin up at Bear. It's a pretty big cabin. Uh, we just got done hitting golf balls off of the deck and onto the beach. Like we're right on the lake. So yeah, it's pretty nice. It's definitely not a deer hunt. I mean, don't tell your wife that, but she knows. I mean, <laughs> she knows. I think she'd prefer it this way. Cause the last thing that she would want is for me to bring home a big dead animal. Mm. So I think she's okay with this. Yeah, so it's good. There was, I mean, you do have internet. It, Bear Lake is into the 21st century now, so we are able to record. That is good. Um, I am on the Idaho side of Bear Lake and on the east side of Bear Lake. And so it's uh, a little bit more, I don't know what the word is, rural. <laughs> like it feels provincial. Less, yeah, like it feels a little bit less 21st century than than the other side you know, Garden City where all the people go, but it's nice. It's relaxed. It's open. Nobody's here. It's like 40 degrees outside. It's the perfect time to come to Bear Lake. And, and there's not snow yet. I mean, there might uh, be... they had snow earlier this week down low, but it, I think it, it's all melted from what I can right. tell. It's, it's just a nice, so. it's a crisp fall. It is. I mean, that's great. We fall. should, uh, I think uh, we should go do this next year and maybe we can, we'll finally record together in person. Well, okay. let's have like a give them hell, bring them retreat. You know, we just rent a cabin because here's the other thing. This cabin in the summer is like a thousand bucks a night. This cabin in October, it's kind of like name your price because otherwise it's just going to sit empty, right. uh, you know, on the VRBO link. So I think we could get this for like, a hundred bucks and then just hey ghb party at bear lake i could be on board with that i, I don't um, see why not the the big national news that we have to talk about and this is kind of this can be our ridiculous news intro and we're going to talk more about this this is a little preview of our friday edition a couple months ago we wrote about how great mike oresco is and how the Big 12 was a mess, and we didn't want anything to do with the Big 12 because Bob Bullsby was a schmuck, and we he was sold getting shirts for crying out loud. That just Big 12 you logo with no. Nope. You sold a shirt to yourself. Okay. <laughs> you don't gotta say it like that. I think you were the only purchase of that, but that's true. Um, you know, so we did all of these things, and. We said, you know, we Mike Oresco, he's at least been pimping his league. The P6 thing is a joke, but he's trying to make all the right moves. And then it comes out like, oh, Oresco is going to be picking off the Big 12. You know, they're, the AAC is going to be aggressive. It happens. Oh, what a couple months make because this week news came out that the American is going to add my beloved Charlotte 49ers along with our, our GEHB favorite utsa roadrunners who are seven and oh and ranked for the first time ever jeff trailer's got a damn good thing going over jeff there Jeff trailer's a damn good football coach yes and 
which is like, okay, those make sense. UAB and FAU, okay, those have combined to win the last five Conference USA championships. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Those four, you kind of have UTSA makes sense in Texas. UAB and FAU, good programs. Charlotte, like, okay, if they're budding, they've been to a bowl, still How really young program. But then they added freaking North Texas and Rice. <laughs> yeah, those are bad. And there's no justifying it. And UAB, like I get that UAB, they've been decent, but they were not a program five years ago. Like they were, and then they weren't, and then they were again. Right. But like they got shut down not that long ago. And that's what, I mean, that's where the promise is, right? Because UTSA, their first ever season was 2011. I think they moved up to FBS in 2012. Um and then they, you know, they were in the whack for one year with Utah State in 2012. Um, and then <laughs> I once, about that. Um, and then, you know, Charlotte, they, their first FBF season was 2015. FAU, I think their FAU's first season ever was in two. It was like 2001. 2001 was their first season ever, but then they, um, do they moved up to FBS. They joined the Sun Belt in 2005. Okay. And so, I mean, they've only been FBS for 15 years. Obviously, UAB was dead and came back. He's only been back for five years, right? And so it's those are all very young, promising programs. Right? Like they're in big metro areas. They've got where there's a lot of football support. There's a lot of talent. It seems like they overall, like the infrastructure, the school is committed, right? Like even though Charlotte hasn't been great, their coach, they're paying them like 950 grand a year. Right, Which like is that. insane. I mean, when you look at that in like relation to the budget that Charlotte has, that's a ton. Right. In Charlotte, all of their facilities are so nice. They have the t- smallest stadium because their stadium was designed to have three levels, each with 15,000 people. And so they built just the first level and it's like a bowl. And then they, in the plan was like, okay, once fan support demands, they, you know, then we'll add on to it, doing it the smart way. But all of their facilities are like red brick. Every single stadium on the entire campus has a matching design. Even they have like a tenant, they have a brick building with like tennis seating. And yeah, it's, you wild. know, and so a lot of these, it's like, I'll feel and I get, okay, adding, I, I mean, I guess they're banking on UNT becoming like UCF because well, UNT, was- UNT has like 45,000 students now. And then you're like, oh, well, we want, we're losing Houston. So let's get rice. Like, I don't know. I mean, apparently I don't, I can't wrap my head around it. And the, the question that I have, when I look at those names, um, okay. So probably Memphis is the answer to this question, maybe Navy, but who is the pinnacle of that conference? It's right now it's, I mean, it's Memphis because Memphis actually, since yeah, the start I, of the American in 2013, Memphis has won more games than solid. any other program. Right. And they've yeah, gone, so they've gone to Memphis. New Year's six game. They've won a conference, whatever, whatever. Um, and then it's like the last three years you better... have SMU, but that's only since Sonny Dykes got there. They've right. only started being good again, 2019. Yeah. And, and that's my question, right? So is Memphis in a better situation than Boise state? I don't think so. Right. Because, okay. Memphis and Boise state, we could say that they, they are equal. One's probably higher than the other, whatever, but let's just say that they're equal. SMU is probably Fresno that depending on the coach, depending on the quarterback, they can have a really great year or a really bad year. Right. Right. But beyond that in the American, I don't really believe in anybody else. Like USF has to turn it around. They have to, because outside of those two schools, there's not much there. And then you look at the Mountain West, like San Diego State's still there. Like that's solid. Colorado State decided to stay. Air Force has done some nice things. 
I, without doing anything at all, I, I think you can make an argument that the American, or excuse me, that, that Boise State is better off in the Mountain West now. Depending, yeah. I, this move just makes me question things. I really thought that we would see more innovation from Oresco and the rest of the American. Yeah, and, and I guess with those four schools being so young, you kind of say like, okay, who's going to be the next UCF? Like we're going young, like young programs with a little more thing. And apparently part of this, and I don't know if it's because the 16th or whatever, but it was reported that the for the eight American schools, for the duration of their contract, they will stay at the same amount of money. And then the new six schools being brought in will come in and they will be getting like two and a half million dollars or $2 million instead of the full seven that everybody else in the league is getting. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure the rest of the schools would be happy there. So in that regard, you know, maybe say, Hey, you got more money. You're, you know, obviously you look at, okay, this is what UAB and UTSA did with only getting $400,000 a year from conference USA with more, a little more exposure, whatever. I think maybe it was just solidifying it because there were also rumors that, um, UTSA and North Texas had reached out to the Mountain West about going like basically everyone wants out of Conference USA because it was also reported today that Marshall and Southern Miss are being courted by the Sun Belt and they want to get out. And then looking at also possibly uh, James Madison moving up and Old Dominion also going to the Sun Belt with them. Um, so there's it's going to end up where UTEP is on an island. And I think there is a timeline where we say UTEP move all their other sports over to the WAC and say, we're going to be an independent for the next five years until the WAC's plan of going from FCS and moving up to FBS becomes reality again, because that's really going to be their only option. Because it could, there is a timeline where it could be the only conference USA teams left are Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee State, UTEP, and Florida International. Oh, and I guess you have Louisiana Tech which the Sun Belt a few years ago tried to get Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech said, no, we don't want to be in the same conference with UL Monroe and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We're too good for them because we're the premier G5 team in the state and now they're left holding the back. It's so, a mess. It's a mess, but this is not give them hell G5 conferences. And so we're going to change gears in true GHB fashion. Did you know? You didn't know this. You might have known this. The people sitting around this table that I'm at, I'm sure they don't know this. And I'm sure that most of our listeners don't know this, but this you probably know this. Did you know that between 80 and 90% of koala bears have chlamydia? I think I remember hearing this once upon a time. Like, I didn't remember it was an 80 and 90, but it was an insanely it's, high It's amount. almost all of them. Four out of five koala bears that you pick up with your hands could give you chlamydia. Did you learn this from the, what's his name, like Justin Nunley, that guy on TikTok? Is that where you? Uh, I, I did not. I learned it from, uh, I don't know what his new Twitter handle is, uh, Nice Lederhosen, our uh -oh. Alaskan friend. And then I confirmed it on the Google machine. And it's true. 80 yeah. to 90% have chlamydia. It's like a wild chlamydia. So kind of a weird day, kind of a weird thing. Um, moving forward. Uh, everybody still wants to talk Baylor. I don't want to talk about Baylor anymore. That game sucked. BYU sucked. The effort sucked. The coaching sucked. The whole thing sucked. And everybody pretty well knows that. The coaches, they understand that. Kalani, uh, we have been told that Kalani 
he had a few choice words that I don't think even we're allowed to say the, on this, this show. Is, this and, is a and family we'll say show. just about anything. Yeah. This and is... so th- there were some words that were said that were, are not allowed to be said. Uh, there were some, do we call them threats? I mean, it was kind of threats, right? I mean, it was kind of like a, hey, uh, if you don't play harder, try harder. And that's what, well, we'll get into that. But if you don't play harder, not better, but harder, then get out. You don't need to have a scholarship here. Coaches, if your game plans are not better, get out. Like those were the threats, I guess, that we were made uh, with a few more colorful words. There, there were words along the lines of, you know, it was an embarrassment, right? Like, and it's yeah. when we, t- we did talk about this of, you know, it's the effort is the one thing. I just, Jeff is currently eating bacon as, as we record, which it's the deer hunt, you just eat. <laughs> um, so the, you know, is the effort is the huge problem. And that was, and Kalani talked about, it, and you wrote about this on 24 seven when you wrote, um, you know, in his press briefing. Right. And he said, uh, let me pull that up actually. Um, he, the way that Kalani said it was, he was asked like, did you have the right personnel on the field or something like that? And he said, well, we had 11 guys like very sarcastically. Well, we had 11 guys, but we didn't tackle well enough. We didn't get off blocks. We didn't play hard enough. We weren't physical enough. Like he said, all the coach words to say we were soft. And yeah. it was bad. Oh, what he said. And I quote, we need to see it now. I need to see it now. It needs to happen today. I'm really frustrated with the performance. Baylor might've been the better team. It might've won the game, but it should not have looked like that to me up front. And that's where it's got to change. Like that's yep. pretty scathing. That's, a, that's a pretty big call out. Right. And he said, also, we've got to figure it out, whether it's the run scheme or the personnel, we're obviously down a couple of guys and I don't use like using the excuse of injury because we feel like we're a deep team, but we got to run the ball better. I think we have a good stable of running backs to run the ball. We're going to, we're going to need them to step up. We're going to need the O-line to step up. We're going to need everyone to step up and make plays. It's not just one side. It's all three phases that can improve. That's the one comment that I, everything he said, I was like, yes, like getting ready to like jump out of my chair because I was pumped. But that one comment of, I feel like we have a good stable of running backs, that, that makes me question everything because he had a grand total of one running back who had a carry last week. Yeah. One. Like, that's not a stable. That's, that's a single horse corral. Like, that's, that's not a stable. And if he feels like he has a stable, why the hell haven't they been playing? Why has Jackson McChesney not had a single carry this mm-hmm. year? Where I want to see Rapati? I want Who to see he? Hinkley Rapati so bad. I just want uh, to see his calves. I want to see his calves on the field more than I need oxygen. Dude, have you seen life. the his quads are bigger than his calves? Yeah, like, they're enormous. Everything about well, I think my quads he, are bigger than my calves. It's true, but it's different. Impressive. He's got a lot more definition. Like his quads <laughs> okay, are like you a, a don't solid... know what definition I do or don't have on my quads. <laughs> I might be totally defined. You have no idea. <laughs> this is going to be true. But I've his got thick quads, they're thunder thighs. I, I don't know how defined it is. There's not a lot of lightning. Uh, but it's, I mean, yeah, I want to see Rapati out there just truck somebody. He's been on kick return a couple times, but he hasn't gotten right. a touch yet. 
But yeah, the other quote that uh, client is, I'm more frustrated with the fundamentals of the game and the technique than I am with the scheme or anything else. I mean, we had 11 guys out there playing, but I don't think we tackled well enough. We did not get off blocks. We were not physical enough. We need to get some guys back and we need some leadership to take ownership of the defensive front. So he is now publicly saying what you and I said last week was a major issue. Yep. It said, we have played a lot more physical in some other games, end quote. So it's, and that's, that's it hard stop. Like that's it. Like it's everybody wants up. to talk scheme. Everybody wants to blame a coach. I get it. And, 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 but those are off season problems. The problem against Baylor was effort. The team did not play hard period. They just did not. And, and that's the big problem. And that's, that's got to change. That has to change. Um, but that's Baylor. If you want more in-depth Baylor analysis, go listen to our, our uh, post-game fireside that we published earlier this week, where we, we talked all things about that disaster of a game, and it was a disaster of a game. But this week, <laughs> BYU is going into a team who has a whole different kind of disaster on their hands. Washington State has no football coach. Has they, no football coach for no reason, like no football-related reason. They have one offensive coach. Yeah, And they have their entire defensive staff. I do want to just say that I don't like when anybody gets fired. It's always sad. But I might have had a diet beverage yesterday, and it might have tasted just a little bit sweeter because Mark Weber was one of the coaches who was like, Oh, my gosh. The... Like I, don't, I don't revel in people's misery, but I do Mark Revels or Mark Weber's. Mark Revel Weber's. I revel in Mark Weber's misery. Yeah, makes he, me happy. He might be the worst assistant coach mm-hmm. in my lifetime he, at BYU. He's, I think he single handedly set BYU back four, five years. I think it's longer than that once you factor in Michigan. I mean, you realize under like on his watch, there were multiple class, like there are classes where we did not sign a single offensive lineman. Yeah. He well, at one point he had a 240 pound center. Yeah. A center. Yes. And he, um, I will not share uh, this story on this forum, but I do have a friend who played for Mark Weber. And uh, he just, he was not honest with his players. He did not treat them well. Mm -hmm. Um, He, you know, would make prompt, legitimately would make promises about the depth chart and playing time the night before the game. And then during warmups, say, just kidding, we're not doing that. I changed my mind. Like, it's just, he's not he a is. guy that you want. He doesn't inspire you. He, I am just amazed that he managed to somehow fall ass first back into a P5 job. He is so close to Gary Anderson in my like tears of awful people. Like, there are awful coaches, and then there are awful, awful people who happen to be coaches. Those two are right there. Yeah. Um, it, he's close for me. He's everything. Gary and Gary is everything off the field and Mark is everything on the field uh, for me. Um, in terms of Washington state, I just was going to hop over into their 24 uh, seven board to see what their fans are saying. And this is hilarious. If you go to their 24 seven site, um, they, it says wa- their main headline, Washington state co- head coaching search hotboard 1.0. And the friggin' main picture is Chris Peterson. Sorry, Chris Peterson is not walking through that door 
Cougar fans. I don't. <laughs> hey, man, whatever it takes to get clicks. I know. I know what that's like. I wrote an article this week that was just looking back at the uh, the defensive line recruiting over the last five years. And so obviously I had to make the picture Elisa Tuiaki. Right. And, um, you know, clicks for days, man. Whatever it takes. They don't call us give them hell page views for a reason. What? I don't know. That didn't make sense. But that's why they that's what they do. We're just all about page views. The I mean, in your article is actually going, but it's I I get the other people in the article are fine, but this the Peterson was definitely uh and this wasn't even like a we've heard anything. It was just like was out because everything people's like Joe Moorhead, Brent Brennan, the coach at San Jose State, Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, Graham Harrell down still at USC, Kalen DeBoer, the head coach at um Fresno State, Jay Norvell, the head coach at Norvada, Blake Anderson, obviously our friend up at Utah State, and then Sonny Dykes at SMU, and, and Jeff Choate, the Texas defensive coordinator who went down there from Montana State this year, it, which I do not know why you'd want to touch anything related to the Texas defense, but it's like all of those names. Okay, Norv, okay you're talking about you got like four Mountain West head coaches in there. or Yeah, it's like, okay, that makes sense, but it's like you legitimately – only put Chris Peterson on here to drive clicks. There was no relevant reason to the actual seriousness of this article other than to slap Chris Peterson's face on your website. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Cause I that's not, I, it's not even tangent, right? Like at least with your picture of Elisa Tuiaki, that makes sense. He's the defensive line coach and he's the defense coordinator. He's in charge, should be in charge for recruiting that position. The article is about the recruiting at his position group. That makes total sense. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I think you're right. Um, having said that, if they could get Joe Moorhead, that's about as good as Washington State can do. That's that's yeah. a home run for them. It really would be. Um, who else? I mean, I I like I like Jeff Grimes is a sneaky good option for them. I don't know that he'd take it. I think he's pretty selective about the jobs he takes. But I think that would be a, a home run for Wazoo. Jeff Grimes has played the game so well. Just kind of a tangent. He knows that he is taking, like he knows what jobs he's taking. That Baylor team was loaded with talent, just mismanaged. Like that wasn't a disaster of a football team that needed to start from scratch. That was a disaster of an offense that just needed a leader, but they were loaded with talent. And look what he's doing at Baylor. Like he's, he's done well. And so I think that it would be interesting. I don't know that Grimes would take that, but if Joe Moorhead did, that's fantastic. Um, I don't know. I like some of the other names on that list. I, I like a lot of the names on the list. I do think, I wonder, do you th- think that if LSU cannot get, uh, cannot get James Franklin or Cristobal or Jimbo, which Jimbo Fisher has a 97 or $95 million buyout. If Texas A&M wants to fire him, but do you know how much money Jimbo Fisher has to pay that university if he decides on his own accord to go to another school? Uh, he has to pay the same amount that I have to pay Texas A&M. Yes, a big fat goose egg. That is wow. the best. Like that is the best thing contract any coach has ever had, and I believe, uh, I believe that the LSU athletic director Scott Woodward 
It's the was, one who got him to Tamu in the first place. Yes, he yeah. was the one. He was the uh, from 2016 to 2019. He was the AD that hired uh, Jimbo away from Florida State. So I imagine Jimbo's got to be target number one, um, similar to when Scott Strickland went to Florida from Mississippi State. He immediately, you know, as soon as they fired McIlwain, he went out and hired Dan Mullen. Like that's probably going to be similar. So I would not be surprised though if Dave Aranda is not at Baylor. So I heard the next time we play the Baylor Bears. Dave well, Aranda. I guess we play them be, next year. So you know, two years from now, as a conference opponent, he would be right at the top of my list. Like he was the DC that took him to a national championship. He's already doing good things at Baylor. He would bring Jeff Grimes with him. Like Dave Aranda would be right at the top of my list. I heard from some people at LSU that there is no chance they give Dave Aranda a call. And I can't for the life of me figure out why, because James Franklin's not going like, sorry, folks, it's just not going to happen. Mario Cristobal probably isn't going. I don't think, I mean, LSU, I get it. They won a national championship in their LSU, but are they a premier job? I don't know. I don't think so. Right. Like I, that's a tough conference to be in if you're not Alabama. And right now it just feels like, why would you go into the SEC if you have your pick of jobs like Franklin and Cristobal kind of do, unless you're going into an established school right now. And, and LSU is kind of a mess. So I don't know that they are going to get one of those guys. I, I would think Dave Aranda would be on my short list. Maybe Nick Rolovich. I mean, he's unemployed and they don't care about vaccination status and, in the sec why why can't nick rolovich end up in in lsu yeah it's i mean rollo's the other thing about lsu right like it wasn't like okay they had less miles but he wasn't like regarded like james franklin was when he walked into the lsu job and ed orgeron was just a a usc cast off like he was the old guy who lit old miss on fire and so it wasn't like he was some premier coach. I, I think LSU fans need to prepare themselves to be a little disappointed with this hire. I don't think they're getting James Franklin. I don't think they're even getting Mel Tucker. I think that they are going to end up going a very different route. Yeah, I think the the thing with LSU is that it is the only job in that state, right? Like you have a lot of talent in New Orleans, and a lot of good talent throughout the rest of the state. And Houston, even though it is in Texas and you are competing against other Texas school, LSU dominates the Houston market. So between yeah. New Orleans and Houston, you have a lot of talent. And it's not like, you know, it's not like Alabama where, yes, yeah. there's Bama, but there's also you're fighting Auburn. It's not like Texas where you have, yeah, there's Texas, but you're also fighting with AM for kids. You're also, you know, there's decent, you know, Baylor puts together decent classes. Gary Patterson's had a few good years at, uh, you know, at TCU, there's everybody's going into Texas. It's kind of like you have that entire state on lockdown and yeah. the institutional support from everybody top to bottom. It's like you have the state legislatures behind you. It's like there is no divided support in that state. It is all eyes on Baton Rouge. And I think there's something to be said for that. And in terms of the quality of a job, because right, like it's you look at it, okay. Les Miles won a, Nick Saban won a title. Les Miles won a title. 
Ed Orgeron won a title. In this century, they have won championships under three different coaches. That's there's true. No, there's no other program in the country that has done that. And so I think there's something to be said about the quality of the job in terms of you look at USC trying to find a new coach versus LSU. LSU is a light years better job, even having to deal with being in the same division as Nick Saban, or sorry, I guess they're in the opposite division, being in the same conference as Nick Saban. It is a better job because of who you can get there and the institutional support around your program versus the growing apathy about everything related to the Pac-12 conference and being in LA. I, I think that's fair. I think I, I could wrap my head around that logic. Having said that, I, I do question. Yes, they're the only team that has won a national championship under three head coaches in the last you know, 20 years or 25 years, whatever it's been. But why have they had to? Why have they had to? Like, They've had three coaches who have won national championships in 20 years. And yet here we are looking for a coach again. Like that well, national championship didn't buy a lot of job security. Nick Saban left on his own and Les right. Miles. He was there for a decade. There. I mean, Les Miles was there for a decade after, and then, you know, was struggled for a long time. And apparently Ed Orgeron has a lot of off the field issues, including um, trying to get with a member of the board of regents wife. Yeah. Ooh, you got to have a better radar than that. Somehow we, we, here we are talking about Ed Orgeron hitting on a board of Regents spouse. This start, this conversation started about Kalani firing up the team and the lack of effort last week. Um, kind of a, kind of a weird transition, even for us. Like I'm trying to like play back how we got here in my head. This, this uh, one was a little off for even, even for us, even by our standards. But when it comes to Washington State, uh, I've heard a lot about their defense this week. People have talked about the Washington State defense and that it's good. And it is. By Washington State standards, it's a very good defense. Washington State, under Mike Leach, terrible. One of the worst defenses perennially every year, no matter what. You could count on Wazoo being ranked sub-100 in just about every category. They were terrible. This year, they are ranked below BYU in both total, total defense and scoring defense. So even this great Wazoo defense is still worse than the defense, statistically, worse than the defense that has BYU fans ready to you know, jump off a bridge because they have to watch a cautious, vanilla-style approach. This Wazoo defense is not very good. That, having said that, they've got two players that I think BYU needs to scheme around. Ron Stone Jr., is an edge rusher. He is very good. He can disrupt game plans. And after watching what Baylor's edge rushers did to Campbell Barrington last week, I got to think Ron Stone Jr. is going to be lined up against Barrington fairly regularly, and he could wreak havoc. The second player is Armani Marsh. He's a corner. He's good. He's very good. Um, BYU quarterbacks, whether it be Baylor or Jaron, they don't really avoid corners very often. Like they'll challenge anybody, whether it's good or bad, whether they're a good player or a bad player. It's almost like that doesn't matter. Uh, but there are some players that you just don't throw at. Like, you, you know, the NFL didn't throw at Darrell Revis for a long time or right. Richard Sherman for a long time because they were very good. And I don't think Armani Marsh is going to be Darrell Revis, but he is absolutely the best corner on that Wazoo defense. And if I was playing quarterback, I would try to look elsewhere first. Right. 
And I think, uh, but then at the same time, you go elsewhere and it's because they kind of just have like those two are the main pieces of their defense, right? But I also think Puka Nakua is good enough to go against anybody in the country. And so Absolutely it's, true. and so it's, there is, you know, we have seen is we're at the start of the season, we ran the ball really effectively and passed the ball. Okay. And now the last few weeks, right? Like Jaron Hall's been showing us with his arm and the receivers have been making all of the headway because the O-line has still been phenomenal in pass protection. Blake Freeland is leading, has the highest PFF pass pro grade in the country but then running the ball, it's like running into a wall every time. And there's, there's no holes there. And so there's nothing. And, and so, been... I mean, you can still run away. Um, Stone does have eight and a half TFLs and four sacks on the season. Uh, but, you know, so he's, he is good, but he is not elite. Like he is not the best, uh, you know, player that BYU's ever faced. It's true. Right? And so he yeah. is something to yep. build a defense around. Uh, he would probably, he would be our best defensive lineman if he was on the, on our team, but mm-hmm. he's not, it's not like he's an all American. And so, no, you can, no, he's and, not. And, and, and with, and that's a good caveat, I think there to, right. he is not a first round draft. It's not cave Thibodeau out there. Right. And so if it's just one guy and there's a drop off, like you can work around that. Right. Like yeah. you can just run away from him and, you know, avoid even messing with him. Like you can do some things to neutralize a single player. But really, we just, the thing this week that we need to see in this could, like, I don't know what to expect in on Saturday, right? With this whole no coaching situation. But it's guys, if they got to come up, it'd be physical because, like, this, right? Like, this is a team without a coach. So it's how are, I have no idea how their offense is running their practices, what they're doing. Like, how many, cause you don't have that many GAs. So did, since they fired their staff, does that open up numbers to where you're allowed to have more GAs now? And you can fl- have the film guys start running stuff in practice. Like I have no idea what they were doing. I mean, truthfully, and, I think nobody does, right? Like this is kind of uncharted territory where uh, an entire coaching staff is fired like yeah. mid season and immediately dismissed. Right. Cause it's typically just the head coach. And then, right. you know, you have some GA you have who, your interim or, yeah, or, or an analyst, you have an analyst who flips over and starts going on the field. Right. Um, but so it will be interesting to see like what happens. So defensively, there's really no excuse. Right. I mean, no. you can, well, Delore can run and he plays that kind of backyard style of football that can cause problems. But even then like offensively, their defense is good, but it is not great. And there's really no, um, there's really no excuse for us to just go out and get after it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. The, the, here's the thing that concerns me. And I've seen a a few other people have said this too. Uh, is this a little bit like a Missouri situation, you know, back at like 2015, whenever that was that Missouri had all of their off the field stuff that was supposed to be a distraction and a team was supposed to not be prepared when in reality, BYU came out, the Tigers were fired up, and they put together probably their best all-around game that they had had that season. I, I think this is different because they had their coaches. There was off-the-field distractions at Missouri in 2015, but they still had the leadership in place to help bring people together. Tragedies happen, right? Like, look at Utah. Utah's had a tragedy. That was a big off-the-field distraction. I mean, to to put it lightly, it was a tragedy, but it was a distraction from a football standpoint. But they had the coaches and the leadership in place to 
bring everybody together. And that's what leaders do. That's what head coaches are there for. This is different because that's not there. Right. It's just not. Now I could see Wazoo coming out and being fired up and Jaden Delore is very good. People forget like he was recruited by everybody from Ohio state on down. I mean, he had offers. He could have gone to a lot of different places. He's good. And he's good enough for, to kind of win on his own. I expect a really fired up Wazoo team in the first quarter. I really do. But what I think will be different is if Wazoo gets punched in the face, do they have enough player leadership to withstand that, get back up, put the pieces together, and move forward? I don't know. I, I don't think so, but I don't, I don't know. And that's where I think this is different than a Mizzou situation or some of those others. Yeah. This is, there's no leadership. Well, and it's uh, the thing with the Mizzou too, it was like, it was off camp is outside of the building, right? Like it was on campus, but it was not in the football building. It was, they still had a staff. I mean, they still had Gary Pinkle was their coach, right? Mm -hmm. They were still Mizzou and were a very talented team. They had that Mizzou team had way more talent than this Wazoo team does. And they were still able to practice with actual bodies there to run a practice and prep for a game. And so yep. that alone, like that's very, that's a very, very different, um, very, very different situation. Um, and kind of the similarities stop, um, stop as soon as you say players may protest and not play the game. That's like where it ends. Cause I didn't yeah. think Mizzou, they didn't come out like particularly, fiery right like it was that game was a very byu game i think it was the final score it was like 20 to 16 was, yeah something like that and you um, had chances and they just couldn't get out of their own way that was a very much that was a very byu on the road versus a p5 game that's what it always yeah. has been right like it's how many times you know just like oh we ran the table on the whack went finished the season 10 and 1 going to play in our bowl game and we lost by three points to a six and six indiana team right like that's <laughs> That was the, that's just what happens when you play a talented team. And, but this Washington state team just is not that good. Right. Like it's, so even looking at S and P plus um, they are number 79, they have the number 49 offense and the number 98 defense. Um, so they are the third worst team that we have played. Um, Utah state is not far behind them. And then Arizona is bad, bad. Now Arizona has regressed and gotten worse as the season's gone on on both sides of the ball. Um, but so they, I mean, this is a winnable game. There's, they're really with, especially with no staff, there is zero excuse to lose this game. Um, the one thing that honestly will be a factor and with the game time being announced next week for Virginia, very happy about is that it is another day kickoff. And we have struggled in the two games with that. And you may think it's not a big deal, but I don't think people realize like the, the groove that you get into of, we always play night games. I can wake up in the morning. If I'm feeling a little tired, I can take a nap again. I know I will have like four hours, you know, like four o'clock I'll start eating my last meal, getting ready, like start mentally preparing, going through film the last time whatever I'm kind of relaxed the entire day and then kind of have the time to build up my excitement as the day goes on versus I don't know what time they got out of bed in Waco on Saturday. They probably got up at like nine o'clock and it was like, Hey, throw your clothes on. Let's go over to the state, eat breakfast. We've got to go over to the stadium. Like it's a very different feel. I mean, right. Like you met, think of even back to when you were a little kid, if you were playing, how did you feel playing on Friday night versus 
you know, playing on Friday night versus when you have to wake up and, you know, playing peewee and play at 9am on Saturday. Right. Like, there's a yep. very different, yeah, different, there's the mindset of how you go into it. And I think it's not necessarily like bad. It's just different. And if you're not used to it, um, if you're not used to it, then it can mess with you. And I think we have seen that the last two weeks that part of the issue with being flat is not just leadership, but it is that new game time and that new kickoff. And so we got to get over that hump. And, and it's something that we'll probably struggle with at the onset of being in the big 12, depending on how many day kicks we get. But then as you, as we get more of those, cause I mean, you can count the day games we've had on one hand, right? Yeah, really since, since we've been independent. And so it's, as we get more of those, then we will start. I mean, it'll, you get used to it and you find that rhythm and you figure out what works for you, but getting dropped on that one, we didn't have a single day game last year. That right. I think well, of. and you know, well, I guess we had North be, Alabama, the FCS game is always there, but I don't know if you can count that because like, and maybe, you know, maybe that's why BYU was always flat in those game, first quarter of those games. That's true. Uh, I, I, I think it could be an advantage for BYU down the road because I think Virginia is going to struggle. I think Virginia uh, coming to uh, Provo and playing at 1030 their time, right? Like Virginia time. They don't do that ever. Like they don't get night games there. They're playing the early game. And so it's the same. And they the got to come up impact. to elevation and it's going to be like 30 degrees at kickoff. It, it feels good though. Does that feel like the appropriate thing for Bronco? Like he hated those late night kicks. Yes. It, he, he hated independence. So let's give him the most independent situation that we can. Yeah. Of uh, isn't it on ESPN too? Like I think so. Not even the premier network and in the middle of the night. Welcome back, Bronco. Uh, yeah, I it is a good it is a the like most popular way. It, like most but I don't know why I said popular so the, the most like <laughs> Apropos, that's the word I was looking there for. I know that there no, was there were popular, there were multiple but... P's and multiple like <laughs> and an O in there. That's what I was looking for. the most apropos uh, way to welcome yeah. him back. I I mean, more than anything, going into this Wazoo game, I think BYU wins. I think BYU win. And I'm pretty confident in a BYU win. Uh, last week, I was confident that BYU would show well. They did not. So my confidence is a little bit shaken. But I'm confident that BYU wins, and I'm confident enough that I hopped on to an offshore betting site, and I said that, or I sold points is what I did. I sold points. I think the spread is at like two or three right now. I sold a bunch of points to get better odds, and I ended up taking BYU minus seven to get like plus 155 odds because I truly believe BYU is going to be that much better than Wazoo coming up this week that i really hope i see that we see that because i'm it's just the, the feeling like i remember and maybe i jinxed it and maybe the last two weeks are my fault but i remember when my dad picked me up at the airport on friday night the night before the boise state game i was like man we got to take care of business tomorrow but if utah like what a month right like we could be looking at we get invited to the big 12 we're top 10 six and oh if we beat Boise, they're going to struggle. They may struggle to get to a bowl game. And now it looks like they may get to six and six after they lost to air force. They still got to play Wyoming, Fresno state and San Diego state, right? They, yep. they could still miss a bowl, but they got to, they, we may have been their sixth victory to get to a bowl game. You're like, welcome Boise, Utah, 
they, you know, they are playing inspired right now. They could have fallen apart. I will give them props for that. It's like, you know, they, their season could fall apart to where they don't go to a bowl game. Utah State, like we, we could win both in-state games, win both games in Arizona, you know, and then also, you know, beat Boise, win all three rivalry games, get a Big 12 invite. Like, man, what a month. And then since I said that, things have just completely fallen apart. And I feel like I may be partially responsible for that. I think that's fair. I have angered the football gods and I'm here to repent. You need to make sure that you publicly apologize. If you could put that in your newsletter on Friday, I'd appreciate that. I will. I will issue the public statement. Then um, I will have our PR director uh, help me write that statement. Um, so it can be just dripping with uh, disingenuity, disingenuous, <laughs> however you, yeah, whatever disingenuousness. Yep. Um, but it's, I mean, what else do we have to say about the game on Saturday? Oh, we do need to look at our games to watch. Well, and that's, I, I there's not much else to say about the game on Saturday. Uh, I, I feel very good. I feel very good. It is on FS1. So enjoy the, the 4K, everybody. Um, and, and be thankful that BYU is going to the Big 12 because more games will be on Fox. And as much as we love ESPN around here, the broadcast on Fox looks so much better. An underrated part of going back or going to the Big 12 and being on Fox is not just the fact that they do everything in 4K and their broadcast quality is better. We're going to get reunited with Adam Amin in the booth. That's true. Might get some Adam Amin games. And if we're good, you get those Gus Johnson games and that feels good. Yes. Um, I mean, he's the, he's the Lavelle of game broadcasters. Uh, As far as games this week, it's kind of a crappy slate. Like there's not a whole lot that I'm excited for. And I think game day's decision to go to UCLA for number 10 Oregon at unranked UCLA is kind of indicative of the rest of the college football slate this week. There's just not much. I'm excited to watch USC at Notre Dame. That's always a fun game. And maybe USC can put it together. I think that... LSU at Ole Miss, that's got upset potential, right? I mean, Ed Orgeron is on his way out, so why wouldn't he just go guns a-blazing? And I think that that's a game to watch. Clemson at Pitt doesn't sound fun, uh, but Clemson is unranked. Pitt is ranked, and it is, that's going to be a good game. It is the first time that Clemson has been the dog in an ACC game since – like 2014 it's been over seven yeah, years well, but, but Pitt and kenny that Pickett, Pitt offense is good if Pitt had not lost who did they blow a game to um somebody crappy they draw oh they beat oh they lost by three to western michigan in a weird yeah. game if they weird. had not lost that game kenny pickett would be on heisman watch list um other other games so tonight if you are one of our early early listeners on this episode uh, Coastal Carolina is going up to App State. Um, that go is, App, yes, go. Well, I kind of want the whole building to just blow up, but go App on this one if I have to choose. Um, tomorrow night there will be um, Florida Atlantic and Charlotte will be playing on CBS Sports. That will be a fun, like that will be a fun Conference USA future AAC game. Um, the Florida Atlantic has some players. Charlotte's quarterback is a former walk-on who's like 5'10", but he's got – I wrote about it today. He, I think he's got 19 touchdowns and three interceptions on the year, and he's just this scrappy little gamer. Um, 
and it, it'll be a fun game to passively watch. But yeah, really, the Saturday slate is is very meh. You got like yeah. USC Notre Dame. That's going to be a blowout. Wake Forest Army. Shout out to Wake for being the best team in the ACC this year. I mean, Cincinnati is <laughs> going to roll over Navy. There's uh, a, like, a sneaky good game. Utah and Oregon State. Oregon State, they're not consistent yet, but they've shown that they're a better team than they have been. And for whatever reason, Utah always struggles in Corvallis. Like that could be a game to watch. I, they do that. And uh, shout out to former BYU running backs coach, AJ Stewart, who is at yeah. Oregon State now. Uh, yeah, another sneaky well. Big 12 game is K-State and Texas Tech. That should be a pretty close one. That's the early kick. And it's also, it's on FS1. So that will be better than whatever the ESPN broadcast at 9 a.m. is. Yeah, without question. Uh, but yeah, there's really not a lot of other games out there. It's, oh, the one inter- really interesting thing, and in, this can't be right. Oklahoma State <laughs> is uh, on the road at Iowa State, and this is showing me that ISU is a seven-point favorite. That can't be right. That can't be right. Let's check that. Um, I could see Iowa State being a favorite, but not not that not, many. Yeah, not that many, um, unless there's something we don't know about it. Um, well, is it that much? Up here. Oh, that that's the game I was thinking of. Uh, Nevada and Fresno State play at uh, what five o'clock Mountain. Um, that's going to be the game to watch. It's on FS2. Carson Strong versus Jake Heiner. Uh, those are probably two of the, I mean, that's, you have two top 10 quarterbacks in the country playing like definitely they're probably two of the top three G five quarterbacks that that will be a fun game. It's in Fresno. They're a five point or a three point favorite over the Wolfpack. But really um, other than that, that, it's, that line is real, by the way, opened up at five and a half and has climbed to seven. That is, I mean, Oklahoma state has had struggles and has kind of, clunked their way to an undefeated record similar to how we did for a time mm-hmm. so i think they are ripe for kind of having a little mid-season fall apart but that is still surprising like very surprising uh, very, to me i wouldn't very see surprising watch and if you do want to watch um if you do want to watch the last uh or your last chance to watch bronco and the who's before they come to town next week they're playing georgia tech which no longer you will no longer have to suffer through watching the triple option play but it's really mm-hmm. we're kind of in that middle of the season where you have a lot of random matchups like i don't want to watch mississippi state and vanderbilt right right you know, what does yeah. that do for me you know and so it's yep. like or wisconsin and purdue okay that's a game and so <laughs> um and so it's I'm I'm more so of inclined of I'm all in on Cincinnati. I want them to run the table and get to the playoff just to see it happen. And or when the tables when the CFP rankings come out in two weeks, I can we can bring back Wyan on in behalf of our Bearcat conference friends. Um, I've got the original Wyan on shirt on today. Oh, that is beautiful. The, the tinfoil hat Y. This, I feel like. That was an underrated shirt. That was in our infancy that we released that. But that that was a sneaky good shirt right there. Dude, that was with the the I just wish it kind of had your face on yeah, it. Yeah, I do. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't get it good enough, but I, I'm sure we could probably make it work. You know what? I might while I'm here at the, the Deer Lodge 
this weekend, I might take a shot at that and uh, go ahead and <laughs> re reincarnate the YNON shirts because With your face on yeah, them. I think I might do that. Uh, you know, Jeff, it has been a good episode. I am I am excited for the game on Saturday, mostly because of the public comments we've seen of what we've heard behind the scenes. Like, I am excited to see how this team comes out. Like, and I just yep. want to see some change. Like, it doesn't. Yep. You know, show me the emotion, the hype, everything, the effort that we saw early in the season. And, and show get some it heart. Together. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is, right? Show some heart. I got, there were a few people, I mean, in one of my, I think it was our Monday newsletter, I wrote about uh, my experience with Red Barn and the movers and the, these, you know, former addicts that are in, in their recovery, that have jail time, convicts have jail time hanging over their head. And the one thing that was just like beating me over the head was that there were no therapists, there were no counselors or doctors at this facility. There were just men helping men get better. And the only people holding them accountable to any sort of a standard was the other person next to them who was there trying to do the same thing. They were holding each other accountable, uh, accountable and they had a phrase of just each one teach one. And it was like, hey, if That's, I'm an older guy, I'm going to teach you. So each one teach one is originally a phrase um, that is very old from like the African-American community in the South. Yeah, so they like said it pre, all the time. Pre like civil rights, it was like, hey, we can't fix everything. It was like each one teach one was just like, you know, eventually, you know, well, it helped with initially it was around like literacy, but then also expanded like, hey, if you know, if you know how to read, just like teach every somebody else how to read. Um, and yeah. in terms of like getting people educated in Africa um, itself, and then also just kind of spread to you know, if to civil rights issues, right. Like of everyone, like teach, you know, like if you meet someone who is ignorant, like of social issues, whatever, it's like, if everybody teaches one person, eventually, you know, the problems will go get better. And, and that's, that was the mantra at Red Barn. And it was just fascinating to see like these people who one of them said, Hey, if, if you would have seen me at a gas station, you would have held your kids closer to your side and you would have double checked that your wallet was there. And you probably would have been justified in doing so because I was willing to do take anything, steal anything, hurt anybody in order to get the fix that I needed. And he said, but now I'm not like that. He had been like two, two and a half years clean. And it was fascinating to just watch how just that simple mentality and mind shift elevated their performance in life, right? Now, obviously the, the stakes are much, much different on a football field. But the, the thought process and, and I guess the, I don't know, the game plan of getting to that point is the same. That everybody on that BYU field, all 11 guys, like if you don't have the heart to do it for yourself, do it for the guy next to you. Don't let him down. Don't let somebody who's out busting their ass on every play, don't let him down because you didn't do your job, right? Do it for that guy. And I hope that we see more of that. We saw a lot of that. Tyler Algiers' play against Arizona State is the perfect embodiment of that mantra of just, I'm going to out-effort everybody because it's going to help the team. That's it. And I hope that's what we see, regardless of any final scores or anything like that. I hope we see that level of effort from BYU this week because we didn't see it for the last couple of weeks. 
no, we have not seen it. And that's what we need to get back on track. Um, so we will be back. Uh, I think we can plan on our fireside on Sunday night. I'm saying this out loud as I may be have to go to a wedding on Sunday. So yeah. that may be, we may have well, it. We'll, we'll figure mm-hmm. it out. If I can't, we will plan on it because we want you to be able to know that it's going to happen. So you can join us. We will say it will happen at Sunday at uh, nine mountain, eight Pacific. And if I can't be there, I will send somebody in my stead. We'll get somebody else on there to shoot the bowl with you. Uh, like so, it. so mark that down on your calendars and Jeff until our fireside, give them hell. Give them hell.